Hello, hello, listeners to The Third Way. Um, thank you again for all of the downloads and shares and comments. Um, I always post the episodes with no paywall, um, primarily to spread the word of the folks that I have on because they're always so interesting and um, and most need would welcome support of new leads or new projects. Um, today, I'm joined by Barbara Mutedzi. Barbara is a conscious leadership coach based in Zimbabwe. And uh, I met Barbara, I believe, through a mutual friend, Sarah Hawley. Is that correct, Barbara? That is correct, yes. Yeah. And so um, actually, Sarah will be on my podcast uh, in a couple of weeks. So I'm looking forward to that conversation as well. So um, I'm curious, before we get into the three questions, would you mind giving a, a little highlight reel of, of how you arrived at where you're at in your work mm -hmm. as a conscious leader, leadership? What, what, what is your career path that got you to this place? Right. Well, it wasn't a straight road, <laughs> um, but perhaps the end of it is I did a lot of work in psychology. So one of my degrees is in psychology more so because I wanted to answer the questions that I had that the people around me didn't have. Um, I grew up in a very troubled childhood. It didn't feel troubled at that stage, but it just didn't feel comfortable. And the adults around me didn't have the answers to my questions. So I did an undergrad in um, psychology. And then I was adopted into a white family. So clearly I'm black. <laughs> and um, so in that family, my mom is American, dad is British. And as a black child coming into that dynamic, there was a lot of confusion on my part as well as the people around me because it was a new situation for all of us. And so I got interested and intrigued around cultures. Um, I also traveled around the world working on cruise ships. Then I worked in the Maldives for a while and then across Africa doing business strategies. And so working with people from different cultures as well sort of um, was intriguing and I wanted to learn more. But again, the people around me didn't have the answers. So I went on and did an honors in anthropology, which is study of people and culture, because I really was intrigued about, you know, people and human beingness. Um, I've always been interested in well-being as well. So part of my background is I'm a yoga teacher and mindful meditation guide. And so um, health has been something I've also been intrigued in around why we do the things we do around our health, whether it's mental health, physical health, any sort of health. And so I did a master's in medical anthropology because anthropology, again, is people and culture. And then the, it's just marrying that with the medical part. Um, and because of my circumstances growing up, I'd had to mature very quickly and have always been a high performer when I compare myself with my um, peers. And so I was interested in mindset as well along the way. So I did life coaching because everyone would always come to me for advice um, because I appeared to know what I was talking about. <laughs> And um, but that didn't, wasn't enough because I felt like I reached a plateau with life coaching. I really wanted to know how the mind and brain works and how I could harness that for higher performance. Um, and so I did neuroscience based coaching so I could really understand the mechanics of the brain. Um, but that still wasn't enough. <laughs> so all of this journey is really about just searching who we are as human beings. Um, and I came across consciousness, and this speaks a lot to spiritualism and nothing to do with religion per se, but just who we are beyond being physical human beings. And we can call that different ways or different things, whether it's your inner power or higher power. Um, 
And that's how I became a conscious leadership. Um, and the journey hasn't stopped. I mean, I'm doing a PhD in conscious living at the moment um, and finishing off my master's in um, metaphysics because I'd like to see how we can encourage each other how to live our lives from the inside out because right. everything that's above the surface sometimes is quite artificial and it's brought about a lot of mental health challenges especially um, in the last two three years because of covid and it's not to blame covid or anything these challenges have always been there but i feel that covid just unearthed mm. these things and now we get to speak about them a bit more freely yeah wow that's yeah. I'm glad I followed my intuition to reach out to you and because I didn't I didn't you know we, we had a brief conversation but I always listen to that little whisper of intuition of like this the, yeah. you know, what an incredible story I love that you are um, a pursuer of knowledge um, mm. I I had posted one of my musings I think it was yesterday that curiosity is the lead the primary marker of mystic scientists thinkers and teachers um, Absolutely, and, and artists too, frankly, and with and yeah. so that that continual, you know, mine is much more autodidactic in the sense of I'm 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 proudly non-credentialed, um, mm -hmm. so, um, and I, um, I I hear what you're saying about you know consciousness and coming across this idea of consciousness, and I've I've kind of shifted my language to really referring to the higher self versus lower self because it follows mm -hmm. a little bit more of. David Hawkins and Sam Harris and the people, some people that have studied the neuroscience of consciousness. And yeah. I love this idea that there's, you know, that David Hawkins has in his maps of map of consciousness, that there's a courage line and then a, mm -hmm. there's above the courage line and below. And mm -hmm. I'm working on, I think I'm going to launch this first, I've talked about it in a recording, but I'm going to yeah. launch a cohort called the higher self founder because so much of, I mean, I'm a capitalist and I'm a libertarian politically and everything, but so many of our systems are designed to uh, operate from the lower self, from below the courage mm -hmm. line. That's why courage mm -hmm. is so rare. When you witness, you're mm -hmm. like, wow, that's courageous. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I so love this, that. Thank you. Yeah. In this work that you're doing, um, I'm, I'm, I'm honing in and we could talk about many, many things, um, but I'm honing in on this idea of consciousness and diversity, almost like this mm. intersection. Um, and part of my motivation for this is I see a lot of what I call woke washing. And woke washing mm -hmm. are brands or companies that are essentially pretending to be enlightened, but they're doing it for PR purposes. Or, you know, there's that there's that whole spectrum of consciousness where you can't, it's same with like religion, where you go from the sincere, authentic believer to the grifter mm -hmm. manipulator gaslighter and you see that in the consciousness industry as well um, and yeah. in business so um so the first question i have for you barbara is what is this what is the connection as you see it between the level of consciousness that um someone is at or the collective consciousness and then the breadth and depth of diversity what is the cross-section mm -hmm. there the intersectionalism of those two things yeah, you know what I love to use? I love to use the environment and nature as an example because I feel like it explores and explains things very clearly for me and hopefully for everyone else. Um, when we talk about the word biomimicry, um, our lives are, we are mimicking what nature is doing because we are part of nature. So if you're to look at trees, not one is the same. Same as all of us, we're all different. But when you go below the surface, all the roots are connected 
they're feeding from the same system. So we are living within the same system. And what's happening with DEI, with diversity, equity, and inclusion, is that at surface level, we are looking at each other and saying, oh, this is a black person, this is a white person, this is a tall person, or this is whatever person. So we are looking at each other above the surface. And above the surface is not long-term because the seasons change and the trees die. And there's no interaction as much as when we go below the surface. So when you're hiring and you're just doing it and to tick a box, you're doing it above the surface. But when you go below the surface and understand that all the roots are working in the same manner, they're protecting each other, they're feeding from the same ecosystem, they're also giving back to the same ecosystem. When you look at it that way, it is easier to then say, okay, I'm not so much hiring someone because of their color or in spite of their color, or I'm not hiring them because whatever reasons, when you look at it and step back and say, we are part of the same ecosystem and that ecosystem could be a business, it could be a home environment, it could be a nation, you're looking for the skill set that you need that will feed or even give back into that ecosystem so everyone flourishes. So when we talk about diversity, yes, it's very beautiful above the surface. All of us are just beautiful beings. Um, and it is more to make time, especially for leaders, because I coach leaders in terms of higher performance and mindset, to sit down with your people and really get to understand their core, the roots beneath, what really makes them, what really ticks with them, what is the skill set that they really bring to the table, what are they yearning for? So in that space, you're creating a conversation space where people can actually step in, open up, flourish, and contribute both to their lives as well as to the business. So everyone contributes. When we talk about equity, for example, I feel there's a confusion between equality and equity, and maybe a very um, not so great example, but I'm going to use it is when we women said, well, we want equality, the same equity as men, and that has been confused to the same equality as men, right. but we're all different. <laughs> So when we talk about equity, it's more about if I have a skill set that is the same as another human being, whether it's a man or another woman, provide me the opportunity to step in and contribute, but don't block it just because I'm a woman or just because I'm a man or a white person or a black person. So the equity equality conversation has been confused. So yeah. when we are looking at diversity above the surface, we are confusing and not really understanding what's underneath. And mm -hmm. so our, our solutions of hiring are short lived as opposed to really going down to the roots. It's the same thing as inclusion. We are all included because we are all part of the same nature. We are all part of the same environment. But when we now categorize it and put it in a box and say, okay, we have an inclusion department, that does not make sense. <laughs> we are all included already. Again, that's surface level um, speaking and understanding. And it's not to say that does not have its place. It does. So I'm going to use the psychology, anthropology, and neuroscience that I spoke to earlier. So when I'm working with people, it's let's really understand who you are as an individual first. What's your psyche about? What's your psychology? What is that surface level person that you are, that you have created? And then from there, anthropology, people and culture, what cultural 
tendencies have you adopted that you've been exposed to for you to be that type of person or that type of tree? And then from that, okay, now we know your psyche, we know the type of person you are. How can we harness your mind and brain, taking the bits of things within you that you really know to be true to you? And as you mentioned earlier about intuition, right? Your intuition is your guide. That's your true guide. It knows why you're here on this planet. So it doesn't matter whether you're credentialized or non-credentialized. Because for me, my journey to really understanding my intuition was through being credentialized. We all have different ways to get to our purpose. And so the journey is how do I become a higher performer right now whilst I'm taking the journey to go below the surface so I can continue to understand myself. And that's where consciousness comes in. It's always there, but sometimes we're so busy around our psyche and our culture that we don't go into ourselves, intuition, into our spirit, into our own being to really understand and live our life from the inside out. Wow. Beautifully stated. I, I love the metaphor of the, of the trees. I think it's Aspen, that the Aspen Grove has the same roots. Um, mm. I think that's, I think it's either Aspen or Birch, but I think it's Aspen. Um, right. And I, and I think this, what I've noticed too, and again, I have this very, this obviously this perspective of, of, you know, a middle-aged white American straight male um, that I don't really consider myself a Christian in the traditional sense, but let's just throw that into the mix as well. And so, you know, I have this lens, I get that. I have my own social conditioning and, you know, the unconscious biases of all kinds. I, yeah. I have a counter to the fact that I did not, I don't have, I'm not formally educated and I grew up in rural America, which I view those as in many ways as a benefit to kind of challenging conventional thinking sometimes. Mm-hmm. But to the question of this, this, this intersection of consciousness and diversity, um, I th- it is, is the higher, the more conscious you are, the, the less aware you are of what would be considered surface packaging. Um, and it, and, but I think this is the sensitivity and that I try to explain, especially to other white dudes, you know, when we have conversations about DEI and, and just even inclus- inclusivity in society is yes, we're all the same underneath it. We, you know, that the, there is no d- genetic, there's no DNA difference between any of us as humans The only is, you know, hair texture and pigmentation, that's it. And that are, un- but this is the thing is we can't say that. That's why the, the term in the States of all lives matter that you hear from people that are more on the right wing is kind of bullshit because what it does is it does not acknowledge the fact that yes, we're all the same, but the way that we show up in the world is a very different experience. It's been, it's a different experience if you're an immigrant. It's a different experience if you're a woman. It's a different experience if you're a person of color. It's a different experience if you're LGBTQT. Um, <laughs> and most of the systems that we have set up are really were designed by people that were, did not have that experience. I mean, and we can give in the US, we can give our founders credit that even though they were you know, slave owners and sexist and, and, and whatnot, they still built a system that allowed that flex to uh, make um, uh, the, you know, the arc of justice or arc of time bend towards justice. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, uh, but what I think where this expansion is happening with consciousness is diversity across the board. So I'm a, I'm a big proponent of neurodiversity as someone with ADHD and, um, 
that's a that's a type of neurodiversity or um, advocating at least in the states this idea of bringing people into the organization that do not have the traditional go to college route. Maybe they served in the military or maybe they come from rural America and they have something to say about work ethic um, or, or, you know, it's diversity across the board, but we have to start with, to me, with the, uh, with the, with people that their experience was created by someone else. And the, the, un, the unwillingness to acknowledge that is, a type of ignorance that I do not understand. Um, and I even run into it um, when having a conversation, I can't say who it was with, but it's a, a major institution in Austin where I live. And they were talking about the resistance to DEI initiatives. And I'm like, well, you know, that's middle-aged white guys. And she, and the person's like, no, these are um, uh, women of color over 50. And I'm like, what? <laughs> so this calcification and this, this institutionalism yeah. Um, once you're in a seat of power, can <laughs> can be um, that that that's the only way to break up that calcification is through mm. diversity of thought, yeah. not just yeah. diversity of outer packaging. So mm. that's mm. my download on that. That's very good, and you know it speaks to vulnerability, doesn't it? Because it's so much harder to be vulnerable with yourself than to be vulnerable with other people. Because you know all your shit. Yes. <laughs> yes. So it's very, so it's a One difficult journey. You do. I know a lot of people that don't know their shit. So, yeah. But <laughs> I think that's part of consciousness. Part of consciousness yes. is knowing your shit. Yes. <laughs> yes. And being okay to go into the dark side and really understand that instead of running away from it, because we're very good at running away from the things that we don't understand or putting them in a box that we want to bury or labeling it in a negative manner so we don't have to deal with it. And one of the things about looking at yourself, when you look at surface level, you can define yourself in whichever way you want to define yourself. And you can mask yourself in different ways, whether physically or psychologically and emotionally. Sure. When you take the journey to really understand who you are, because consciousness is also deep self-awareness. So mm -hmm. again, if we use nature, we are going deep into who you really are, your roots, who you really are. And when we start to unpack that, there's different language around that. It's sitting down with your inner child. It's shadow work, everything that triggers you. Let's right. look at it. Otherwise, it will come up in different ways that are actually survival mechanisms. So when you see people of color who are maybe over 50, yes, they're in the system and they had to get to where they are through survival and their nervous system is wired for survival. Right. So they don't see flourishing. They don't, and I'm not saying everyone is like this. It's just an example. They find that if they to get away from the system, they will literally starve. That's what their nervous system is saying. So right. it's difficult to pull other people up. And also this is where, um, compassion comes in. There's a difference between empathy and compassion, right? Um, for example, um, if you walk down the road and someone stubbed their toe, their toe, perhaps, if you're empathetic, you're like, oh my goodness, that must feel really sore because you're walking in their own, in their shoes, literally. If you're, if you go to the compassion spectrum, it's, oh my goodness, you stubbed your toe, that's painful. What can we do together to move forward? So empathy, you freeze. You're in their shoes. You're both in pain. Compassion, 
We freeze for just a second to empathize and then we make a plan moving forward. So when you're in survival mode, it's difficult sometimes to even get to the empathy stage or when you get to the empathy stage, because your nervous system is already wired for pain, it's going to get stuck there. It does not know how to move to compassion. So the journey for all of us in terms of consciousness is doing that deep work because once you've cleared and understand how you are contributing to the ecosystem in the home, in the community, in the business, in the nation, it becomes easy for you to know what to release and let go for others and what to keep for you so you can get stronger so that in cycles you're releasing, taking, releasing, and taking. It's a give and take, not just a take, take, take to store so we can survive, but how do we flourish together? Right. Right. So it's, it's, it's not an easy journey for those who might not be ready for it. Um, however, I feel that because our conversations are very open at the moment, there are many opportunities and many doors and many people who've walked that journey who can now sort of hold space for others to also start. Yeah, and I think the minimum requirement here, if you're a, a, a leader of some of people in some form, you know, whether you're an you know a, a, a executive or a or whatever, uh, it doesn't really matter, is you have to have, you have, to have a, a level of nurtured curiosity. Mm. Um, and without mm. that, you know, where, where you know, I think the, the enemy here is rigidity or it's assumptions or it's pretense. Yeah. I mean, these are, all, these are all behaviors that are basically what I call fear-based power. Mm. Uh, and fear-based power is, well, we have to do this, this in DEI, we have to have a DEI uh, team, uh, initiative because our competition does and will look bad, which is a terrible mm -hmm. reason to do something. Yeah. Um, it, it is, yep. there's something about it too, that social pressure and market pressure, at least in the States, mm. is the same thing. Is mm. It used to be social pressure would come from, you know, um, you know, societal shifts or, you know, maybe yeah. a, a Supreme Court decision or something like that. And now social pressure mm. comes from the market, from the people, because mm -hmm. we express mm -hmm. our values through our purchasing power. Mm -hmm. And when you can't reckon, when you don't understand that, then mm -hmm. it, if, where you create this false separateness between society and profitability, yeah. you end up with a lot of, um, you know, apologetic business behaviors. So mm -hmm. I think we, mm -hmm. we touched on, you know, in our, in our, in our answers to the first question, we kind of touched on the second question, which just for the listeners is that what are some of the myths and misunderstandings about DEI initiatives? I think we got some of those. I want to get to, before we, we, we get at time here, I want to get to the third question, because I think this is a fascinating um, angle of looking at something is what mistakes, I use that term, you know, with grace, but what mistakes mm -hmm. do you see diversity or DEI or diversity advocates and experts making? You know, when they're going out yeah. and doing their work and you're like, ah, I don't know if that's not the right way to do that. Or there's some, so something where it doesn't work. It was a failure. Um, what are some, mm -hmm. what are some things that you're seeing in that area? I feel we, we've also touched on it a little bit. It's short-term versus long-term. Short-term, are we just ticking boxes? Right, right. Or long-term, are we, are we really sitting down to really think about it? And I love that you've brought up curiosity twice. And I love that because one of my work, uh, part of my job is to help other people harness and control the power they already have within themselves to live their life purpose. So life purpose for me is a very big thing because it's a guiding torch to where we want to go. So if you're a leader or even someone in DEI, 
are you yourself well understanding or understanding well that's the proper english what um are you curious about what diversity is in your own life because we can only lead serve or look after other people at the level that we are never beyond and that's the level that we psychologically are so if you're going in because at the moment dei is a sexy term and you've got some experience and you just right. want to help organizations tick a box then you're doing a disservice both to that organization and to yourself perhaps your reputation as well because with time we are really going to get to that conscious level of really understanding this is not so much about hiring by color or height or gender or whatever it is it is really about how are we contributing to the larger community so i would encourage those who are dei to understand what diversity really means for themselves first because when we understand ourselves, it becomes easier to lead other people and also to open the door for other people who want to go beyond. We then remove the survival, I need to be the expert person who knows everything and only I can do it. Um, so it becomes a very collaborative venture, if yeah. I can put it that way. Yeah. And the other thing is we can never learn in isolation. So as much as we might go to books and read, it's also important to be around different people and ask questions for you to understand and then to walk with them. Because as much as I'm a black person and you're a white person, I could never say, oh, I really understand Justin's life. As much as you might try and tell me or write books about right. it, I can never really understand and vice versa. So yep. the journey is to ask questions, continue asking questions, then hold hands and continue moving forward with that information. And not so much to make this thing about, you know, hierarchy, I'm the one who's got the qualifications or I'm the one who's got this. It's really about understanding below the surface, how we are connected. Mm -hmm. So when we follow the things we're curious about and we do the things that we're joyful about more uh, um, often, that increases your vibration, that allows you to walk toward your purpose because you are you're literally not being blinded by the lenses that we all have from the different environments we've grown in. You are allowing your inner being to lead you through those curiosities. Mm. Yeah, that's very interesting. And, you know, obviously my exposure to DEI um, uh, initiatives is through my lens, but this is an area that I'm, you know, fairly familiar in, but I noticed two things. One is that shame is not a good strategy to create any change. Um, mm -hmm. It just doesn't work. It's actually in back to the map of consciousness. It's at the bottom. So what you're doing when you're shaming people is you're encouraging them to have behavior change and, and um, at the mm -hmm. bottom of consciousness, not towards the top. And um, there's there's a little bit of that, uh, or quite a bit of that, I see sometimes in um, with certain um, diversity advocates, especially if they have like a, a a brand they've built as a as as you know an expert in that field. Um, and I think the other area that I I see where it's you know I'm I'm, I'm like I don't know if that's the right way to do this is um, around. Uh, it's kind of this idea that, um, let's, let's call it this, the guruization mm. is that you have a problem and I know how to fix it. And so you need to hire me. 
Um, or, you know, or and it's the use of uh, FUD, fear, uncertainty, and doubt um, mm. to, you know, it's like, and, but, 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 you know, those are overall, I see, I see, I see back kind of looping back to the first question as we wrap here is, I don't know how you would, I don't know which comes first. I do think they're integrated. If you're, if you're the leader of an organization or even a small one is your, if you reach a level of consciousness and that says, okay, we need to have more um, emphasis on DEI or you through whatever reasons you start to implement with sincerity, some DEI practices that, and that increases consciousness, it doesn't really matter. If you arrive at the conclusion that uh, love and compassion and reason and courage are good business practices uh, and seeing things through the lens of enlightenment is a good business yeah. practice, then how you got there doesn't ultimately matter because yeah. everyone's yeah. going to benefit from that. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, there are many ways to get creates, to a destination. Yes. Yeah. And it's enlightenment that creates change, not shame. Mm. Um, you know, mm -hmm. despite... Mm -hmm you know, 1500 years of social conditioning to the, yeah. to the opposite. I would also say, and I'm curious about this is um, that I see as well is um, Jordan Peterson, the, you know, the psychologist has this, uh, he has this, a new book and one of the tenets of this, it's called 12 more rules for life is do not casually disparage institutions. Mm. And I see, I see a little bit of bumper sticker, cliches in every industry, frankly, but within DEI that it can't be solved in a bumper sticker. It can't be solved by disparaging the institution. You know, you can say yeah. burn down the patriarchy, you can talk about, you know, the, the uh, uh, systemic racism, and those are true statements to examine, but that can't be the end of the conversation. It has to be the beginning. Yeah, and no, it's good to be. It's ended there. Like this is the, the burn down the patriarchy and that's what we're going to go about doing. It's like, no, let's replace the patriarchy and systemic racism and stuff with consciousness. Let's replace the system, not just burn it down. Yeah. Because yeah. under the surface, if you burn one part of the root, it's going to spread to all the root, roots, right? right. So right. everything affects each other and everything leads to the language. As you mentioned, the language that we use, shaming does not work. It's again, short term and you're damaging that person who's part of the ecosystem. It will come back to you. Communication is so, so important. So the words that we use are important. And again, it's not about burning down the people who use the wrong words because that's what they also know. However, to say, when you say this, this is how it makes me feel. What is the end goal? Let's rather work toward the end goal in the different ways that we can lovingly reach that end goal. So the language around the way that we've set up our businesses, our homes, our nations needs to change because it has been damaging for too long. Yes. That is a great place to stop. <laughs> Thank you so much. I could listen to you talk about this for hours um, and you're fascinating and I'm grateful that you took the time to, to share your thoughts. Um, so I'll post to I'll post links to your website and LinkedIn and all that in the show notes. And um, thank you very much. Thank you so much, Justin. <laughs>